Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Welcome to the Vineyard. It's so good to see you all. Welcome to all of you that are tuning in online. It's nice to know you're there, even though I can't see you. Um, Has this week felt 10 years long to anybody else? Oh my gosh, this has been the longest week. I was reflecting back to last week. Oh, (laughs) and we're going to have a light show. This is a little Christmas treat. It feels like I haven't been here in 10 years, like it's been the longest week. But let's think back to last Sunday. Um, Before we get into my message, I just want to say the Christmas drive-thru was so fun. Did any of you guys get to drive through? Yeah? Oh my gosh, it was so fun. If you haven't already, um, go to the website to see a link to view the pictures that we took with um, the penguin backdrop. It was so fun. So that was kind of our little Christmas kickoff, and it was awesome. Um, I know I had finals this week. I think that's what made my week so long. (laughs) After 20 years, I am back in school, and guess what? I forget how to do math. I have developed a skill set over the last 20 years of where I don't read anything I don't really want to read. And if the kids have a math problem, I say, oh, it's been too long. Ask your teacher. And those developed skills have not helped me as I've entered back into school. So it's been a long week. But we're here. And this is Joy Week. Aren't we glad? I know I could use a little bit of joy. All right. Today we are going to be entering into a very famous part of the Christmas story. We're going to be talking about Mary and Elizabeth. Do you guys know the story when Mary travels to visit her cousin Elizabeth? Elizabeth is pregnant as well. We're going to talk about that little story. Um, But before we get into that, Mary has a very dramatic pregnancy announcement. Gabriel, the angel, appears to Mary and says, guess what? You are pregnant. You are going to have a son. This is crazy dramatic, right? Have you noticed that it feels like nowadays um, people are trying to kind of compete with that, with dramatic pregnancy announcements? Like, (laughs) they're getting a little crazy. I was scrolling through um, just Instagram or something the other day, and I came across just some bizarre pregnancy announcements. Like, people are going, like, you thought gender reveals were crazy? These things are getting nuts. So it felt like, oh my gosh, they're trying to top Gabriel here. But (laughs) it made me reflect upon one of my own pregnancy announcements. I have four children. The first two are pretty close in age, just 21 months. When I was a stay-at-home mom of two little tiny wild boys, the highlight of my social life was to pack them up in the car and drive an hour away to Elizabethtown and go to Target. Anybody relate? Yeah? When you live in Campbellsville, driving to Target is a pretty fun experience. So, packed the kids up. We drove to Target. The kids were two and three and a half. Maybe close to, yeah, two and three and a half, something like that. And we were walking around Target, 
I thought, I've been feeling a little weird. I bought a test. Not a big deal. Went to Chick-fil-A. I'm a bit um, antsy and spontaneous. I don't wait real well for anything. So I thought, well, I'm in Chick-fil-A. They have a bathroom. <laughs> we'll just find out. Turns out, Magnolia was with us. <laughs> Turns out I was pregnant. So uh, I had two little boys in Chick-fil-A, a positive pregnancy test. And I thought, oh, this is a good time to do nothing. Just go ahead and eat our lunch. And then, as you can imagine, two little crazy boys in Chick-fil-A, that little playground area, which is absolutely not COVID-like appropriate now, I assume. <laughs> but at the time, it was really fun. Um, did our thing, then we went to Old Navy, and then on the way home, I thought, oh, I gotta call Adam. <laughs> I forgot. And I called him, and that was the extent of the drama surrounding <laughs> the one pregnancy announcement I remember. But that is quite a bit different from what happened to Mary. So here's what we're gonna do. I like to read the Bible, especially narratives like this, stories like this, um, with my imagination full, fully engaged, okay? So I'm going to talk us through this little moment in the scripture. We are going to engage our imaginations. Some of these details is literally just what I imagine is going on here. I'm not saying all of these um, interjections are written in the word, but I'm just imagining, based on the fact that I'm a person and these are people, that I know a little bit what was going on here. Okay. We have Mary. Teenage Mary has been visited by an angel. The angel tells her, you're going to have a baby. You can imagine the shock. I'm sure we've all thought about that a little at some point as we've read the Christmas story over the years. The shock was huge. Not only are you going to have a baby, this baby is going to be the Messiah, the Savior. Going to, his rule and reign will last forever through generations, and his name will be Jesus. Crazy, weird. A lot to process. She agrees to this plan. She questions, like, how? What's happening? What's going on? How's this going to happen? But she is a woman full of faith. She loves God. She agrees that this is um, what's going to happen. <laughs> More like chess. <laughs> then the angel tells her another important piece of information. She says, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. Now Mary knew that this piece of information was maybe just as dramatic as the information about her own life. Elizabeth had never been able to have a child. She was older, and she this was part of the um, her identity. You know, she was Elizabeth who couldn't mother a child. How can this be? How can this be? You have to imagine that Mary's mind was spinning. She thinks, I'm going to go see my cousin Elizabeth. So she sets off on a journey. She travels. I think I read somewhere it was like 100 miles. Not great with details. She travels some distance. And I imagine that on that journey, her mind was spinning. I imagine that she had heard that maybe Mary was starting to show. Because at this time, the, um, Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth was six months along. That's enough time to start to show. 
Mary probably wasn't feeling anything herself at that point. And there was probably a lot of like, did I really, did that really happen? Is this really what's going to happen? But, but Elizabeth was far enough along that we should be able to tell. So let's knock the stained glass off this story for just a minute and imagine ourselves in that moment. Mary is wondering, am I really going to have a baby? Am I really just tired? Uh, did I just eat something that didn't set well? Like, do I really feel this way? But she was full of faith, and she loved God and was obedient. And the thing that would solidify all of this, this is just my imagination here, would be seeing Elizabeth and having that encounter. So, she travels. She's known Elizabeth her whole life. And I imagine the closer she got to Elizabeth's house, the more excited she became. I imagine that she started dwelling on the fact that she knew Elizabeth wanted a child more than anything in the world. She knew this was her heart's desire. She knew that Elizabeth carried disappointment and frustration in her heart. She knew it was a painful spot. If what the angel said was true, this is the best news ever. To even allow herself to dwell on this brought tears to her eyes, I imagine. She was a girl who had scripture in her heart. And as she let her mind wander, I imagine scriptures like the Psalms, Psalm 103, began to bubble up in her heart. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in within me, bless his holy name. As she travels and ponders and prays and thinks, I imagine that her mind also goes to places like the story of Hannah or the story of Sarah, other women through history that she had learned about who had been childless and then been given a child from God. These women had experienced exactly what Elizabeth was about to experience. She recalled the way that God had been so good to people in the past, and she knew that he cared about people. And she began to put all of these thoughts together in her mind and arrived at Elizabeth's house. As she walked in the house and called out for Elizabeth, can't you just feel the butterflies in her stomach? Elizabeth, I'm here. And the room instantly is filled with the Holy Spirit and the presence of joy. Elizabeth is showing. She exploded with excitement. The baby inside of her belly did a little backflip, jumped with joy. Elizabeth gushes celebration. She confirms to Mary what Mary already knew to be true, but really needed that last little bit of confirmation. And at that moment, Mary began to sing. Maybe this song was spontaneous. Maybe she was overcome with the Holy Spirit and it just came out. Maybe she wrote it on her journey as she was thinking back over the history of the women that she'd learned about, as she was thinking about the Psalms, as she was thinking about her cousin. Maybe she crafted it. Either way, this song that she began to sing has become one of the most famous pieces of scripture. It is sung throughout the world even today. So we have a young, 
very young, pregnant teenager, meeting a cousin who was barren and now with child, singing this song to her God. So, this song is found in Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. I'm going to read it in the message version. I just love how this version kind of brings it into a more, I don't know, uh, approachable or understandable context sometimes. For this song, I thought this was a gorgeous transla translation. So, Luke 1, 46 through 55, the song of Mary in the message translation reads, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. And God, whose very name is holy, set apart from all others, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. Pause. Let's read that line one more time, shall we? His mercy flows in wave after wave. Waves never end. They keep on coming. His mercy flows like the waves on those who are in awe before him, on those who fear him, on those who marvel at his goodness. He barred his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced the chosen child Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. I love that. He piled on the mercies. He piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham, whose wife was given a child in her old age, all the way up to right now. This song is beautiful. This song is powerful. But let's step back just a little bit and ask a couple questions. Number one, with everything that's going on in Mary's life at this moment, pregnant before she wanted to be, intended to be, um, angelic visitation, standing in the midst of what she knows is a miracle with her cousin Elizabeth, she's overcome with joy. I have to think in this moment, knowing my personality, I might become overcome with anxiety or nervousness or uh, fear of the unknown. But Mary, we see her overcome with joy. Why is this song recorded? Why is this moment recorded? Why is this little snapshot such a big deal? What would make you sing and celebrate so deeply? Like literally, have you, can you think of a moment where you have exploded with celebratory emotion beyond your control, like an involuntary reaction? I can think of a time or two. Usually it's when one of my kids scores a soccer goal. That's one of them. Um, Adam and I ended up being the screaming parents quite a bit, but mostly screaming for joy. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> but... There are those times where we are overcome with the emotion of joy. This was one of those times. 
for Mary. But let's think about why. What is it in this moment that made joy trump anxiety and fear and the unknown feelings? I would like to suggest that the reason that this moment is recorded, the reason that this moment is such an important part of the Christmas story and of the scriptures, is that this is the gospel. This moment is the gospel. N.T. Wright says this is the gospel before the gospel. This moment tells us everything we need to know about the God who created us and who we serve and who we love. This is the gospel. We have two women. We have one living in shame, disappointment, frustration, rejection. She can't have a child. Her identity is shattered. We have another woman who's literally at the bottom of the social ladder. She has no power. She has no real worth. She just is, and her voice carries very little weight. Yet, in these places of weakness and pain, that's where joy arrives. God does not pass them by. He's not repelled by their positions, but rather these are the places that he chooses to shine. These are the very places that he chooses to expose his glory. The, this moment tells us everything we need to know about God. He sees those in need, those who are broken, empty, and lost. And rather than scoff at weakness, as many of us do or have, rather than be disgusted by people who maybe aren't doing the way we think they should be, he chooses that place to reveal his glory. And that's good news. That's the gospel. That is good news. God partners with weak people. He trusts weak people. He loves weak people. He doesn't need our strength. He doesn't need our power, our money, our position, really anything we have to offer. He doesn't need it. In fact, a lot of the time, the things that we try so desperately to fill our lives up with are the exact things that might actually hinder our ability to see the glory of God in our lives. Sometimes they can make us a little harder to encounter God. Had Mary been a woman of great importance, married to a very important man, already having several children, living in a palace, and Gabriel visits her, I mean, maybe it would have been just as dramatic. This is where I like to use my imagination again. But I have to imagine that, that maybe it wouldn't have had the same impact, and it definitely would have told a different story. So, as we read the song, we see that her joy isn't just connected to her current situation. It isn't a song all about how God has just been good to Mary. Did you notice that it builds? It's, oh, you've seen me. Oh, and by the way, you are the king, the ruler. Your mercy is great. You're going to save the whole world and knock the tyrants off their thrones. Like, that was a quick escalation. And that is kind of what I've been chewing on lately. Like, how was she able to connect her miracle, her encounter with the character of God, who he is, and what he's doing? 
That's what's really been moving my heart. So here's a few things that I've been thinking about in relation to this story. I feel like this little moment, this song, this snapshot shows us that God's glory is so powerful that it can, be, make it, it can make itself known in even the weakest person. It'd be easy for someone who's already awesome to look even more awesome. Um, but God chooses a different path. God's love is so pure that it can soften even the hardest heart. You can imagine a woman of Elizabeth's age who had been steeped in disappointment her entire life might have a hardened spot in her heart or two. Yeah. God's love is so pure, it can harden, soften even the hardest heart. God's joy is so great that even in the middle of a hurting and broken world, we can still feel the vibration of excitement when we encounter him. Now, we've all experienced this, um, moments of overwhelming joy randomly throughout our lives, even in the midst of really terrible things all around us. God's joy is so great that even the, in the middle of a hurting and broken world, we can connect to it. And God's peace is so strong that it can manifest inside of us even when everything around us is in shambles and chaos. I've experienced that before. I'd like to experience it more, especially on finals week. But um, God's peace is, is, we can access that regardless of our situation. So I guess what I'm saying is this, that in our humble estate, isn't that a good Christmas phrase? In our humble estate, God sees us and sees the perfect place to show up. And this is good news, and this is the gospel. Mary was on to something. She was overcome with joy because she was seeing this happen right before her eyes. She knows intimately the pain that Elizabeth went through. And she knows that she isn't really all that important. But God saw her. And that's just like God. She saw the bigness of the moment. She may have to walk around town with people talking bad about her the rest of her life, for a few years at least. But God was bigger than all of that, and she was able to connect with the joy that he brought to that very moment. All right. Adam always likes to say that as we're reading the scriptures, we need to look for the good news and look for our invitation. Where in this passage is there good news for us? What can we take from this to carry into this next week, this joy week of Advent? I have a few thoughts. If Mary and Elizabeth were seen, guess what? This is like deductive reasoning, right? Is that what that phrase? Yes, deductive reasoning. If Mary and Elizabeth were seen, then guess what? We are seen. Before Gabriel visited Mary, she was the most unimportant, unimpressive, disrespected, underappreciated character in the story. Elizabeth was looked down on, a disappointment, a failure. These things are actually really good news for us. They are us. Even if you think you're doing pretty good, let me assure you, we all have those spots where we feel that maybe we aren't doing so good. So some of us are acutely aware of the areas in which we are weak. 
Some of us, all those around us are aware of the areas in which we are weak, (laughs) and maybe we should listen. Um, But God is here for us in those weak areas. He sees us. Are you weak? Are you disappointed? Bitter? Do you feel unseen? Do you feel unimportant? Do you feel disqualified? Well, guess what? The weakest people in the whole, in the, in the whole Bible, we constantly see the weakest people, the flawed people, be, gi- be given the greatest roles. We see God showing up in the weakness, showing up in the brokenness, showing up in the unsureness, uncertainty, handing out his goodness, his promises, and his message. And I want to point point out that sometimes these encounters don't necessarily rescue us from hard times. Like in this encounter, Mary meets an angel. Mary carries the Son of God in her womb and gives birth and is the mother of the Son of God. That's a pretty big deal. That is God partnering with you at its highest, you know, level. But did that mean that Mary was disqualified from all pain and suffering and hardship and stress? Nope. But it does mean that God was with her. And she was able to find joy and peace and love in the midst of everything because she's connected with the goodness of God. And that's really good news. Um, If we were looking constantly, like if evidence of God showing up in our life was that we had no trouble, we're all pretty. (laughs) We're all missing the boat on that one. (laughs) That is not evidence of God showing up. God just shows up. He just shows up, and he is there with us through everything. The good news, and then this, new, uh, this is good news, and this good news is enough to ignite joy in our hearts, and it's enough to make us sing. Did you notice that one line? Let me pull it back up. I highlighted it when we were reading. His mercy flows and wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. I love that. Because as Mary was singing that line of her song, she was literally reflecting on the awe of God. She was standing in awe of God. She was thinking about all the good things that God had done for her, for Elizabeth, for people she learned about. And joy bubbles up when we reflect on the goodness of God. Another way to say that, thankfulness is the key. When we begin to reflect on the goodness of God, when we begin to acknowledge all of the good things that God has done in us, through us, around us, near us, uh, joy begins to bubble up. There is an invitation into joy simply by standing in awe of what God has done. This week, during Joy Week, Let's do what Mary did. Let's reflect back on all the goodness of God. Let's acknowledge what God has done for us and through us. How has God showed up for you? How has he showed up for others? What are you being invited into? 
Maybe God is inviting you this week to partner with him, to love someone, to help someone. Partnering with God doesn't have to be dramatic. It might be to care for someone, to show up. And maybe there's a voice in your head that's constantly saying, you can't do this, you're too weak, you have this flaw, you're dealing with this sin, you're this, that, you don't have experience, you definitely don't read your Bible enough. Like all of these disqualifiers, the Song of Mary is good news to us that those are not voice, that voice is not coming from God. God sees us, he sees our weakness, our pain, our broken places, and he is not repelled. Those are the places that he's speaking directly into. So, joy erupts when the divine encounters the weak. This is the Christmas story. The divine, the creator, love itself, the infinite, chose to show up in the very earth that he created. The way that God showed up demonstrates the kind of God that he is. He chose to appear to the weak, to become vulnerable, to live among the low. His message was simple. The kingdom of God is available to all of us. There is no weakness that can separate us from the one who gave us life. And here's my prayer for us this week. May our eyes be opened to the God who dwells among us, and may we turn to him the lover of our souls, and forgiver of our sins, and may we be filled with awe of the good God's goodness. Amen. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of The Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at The Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.